0: And we are rolling in 3, 2, 1 Cue music! Alright, that gets the mood set, doesn't it? Makes me feel like planting some trees (laughs) Of course our audience will have no idea what I'm just referring to on the, on the show again, uh, we are across the pond. I'm so happy about that. Our UK audience is growing and growing and growing. Uh, we have online Mr. A- Mr. Andrew Steele from the Pat Foundation. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks, Mark. Great to be here.
0: Fantastic. Uh, well, let's just start with, with the easy stuff. Uh, what is the Pat Foundation and how did it start? Why did it start?
1: Um, Pat Foundation is a UK charity that's focused on reforestation and been doing that for 15 years. Has planted 3 million trees in Asia and more recently in the last couple of years been back in the UK and we've recently established a green task force to put veterans into employment in the land-based sector.
0: So that is something that's growing and growing and growing. I... Uh, <laughs> everybody talking about climate change it seems pretty simple to me plant more trees if if you if you got a problem with it plant more trees and uh, uh, reduce that carbon load so what have you found now you' you're, you're getting veterans to do this a lot uh, you're a Navy veteran yourself so why veterans why are you bringing veterans in to plant these trees
1: I think it stems from The fact in the UK, just to give you an example, and the UK is not as big as Canada or the US, um, but there's a plan to plant 600 million trees. Um, In the area of the UK that we live in, there's a northern forest, which is 50 million trees, to be planted over 25 years. And the fundamental problem is that, and the perception is that volunteers will plant those trees or they'll just jump in the ground themselves. And that's not going to happen. And when... You put volunteers onto the projects, a lot of the time they're not trained, and you get quite a high tree mortality level. So the the, the thinking behind putting veterans onto this was primarily we can train our guys. Secondly, there's a lot of benefits from nature-based therapy and actually getting the guys outside amongst nature and the therapeutic element of being in that environment. And so if you combine the both areas together – we can now and we are creating employment opportunities for guys in this sector
0: i definitely know for my own recovery diagnosed about four years ago with uh, ptsd the more i can get into nature the better and there's just something magical about being with and around trees and being in the forest that is very very helpful unless you're super acute which i was for a while and unfortunately even um Uh, hanging out in the forest in the mountains, just didn't do it. But um, for most folks, most of the time, it does help. Do you have any idea about the neural science behind that, of what it is exactly that's going on uh, when you're in nature and working with trees?
1: Um, I can't profess to have all of the technical elements um, and the scientific background, but it's become a well-known fact now that being amongst nature, the trees secrete oils. And acts as an aromatherapy element. And there's a there's a Japanese term, um, New yoku, I think it's called. But it's forest bathing. And to get the benefits, you need to be outside at least 15 minutes a day amongst that environment, or one to two hours a week. And people start to see the benefit. I, I mean, that's, years ago, I would never have believed this was this was true. But you start to feel it yourself. And also you see the effect on some of the guys that we're working with. They really do see the benefit. Obviously, it doesn't work for everybody, but certainly there's a lot of benefits for the guys that do get outside.
0: There's more and more people doing this forest bathing thing. And I got to admit, at first blush, I'm like, oh, is this hippy-dippy stuff? You know, so it's all sing hands and or, or uh, hold hands and sing kumbaya but uh, i really think there is something to it and that is one of the guests that i haven't had on the show yet is uh, about forest bathing so i i pledge to find me a forest bathing es- expert there's a difference between uh, just going for a walk in the woods and this forest bathing thing it's um it's it's a mindfulness i think is is part of the difference and really getting out of your head and into the forest mentally um and that's why it wasn't working for me for unfortunately years my my recharge uh tool didn't work is cuz when I was in the forest I wasn't in the forest my my body was my mind wasn't and uh I was still in my head and that was the problem but well, have yeah. you have you seen any before and afters with uh people suffering from PTSD and uh sort of testimonials or stories from them about where they were and then where they um, progressed to because of planting trees?
1: Um, We have got a couple of guys in our team that are showing the benefits. We've not been able to assess it over a long enough period of time, but we know from talking to them that they do have those benefits and getting outside. But it's not just the forest bathing element as well. One of the things we're noticing is that the transition from the military is quite traumatic for people. You've, you've been encompassed and enshrined in a mindset and an environment that is quite protective. And when you go out into the real world, it's not just PTSD, that are people suffering from other mental health issues with that transition to civilian life. So what we're seeing is whilst there's a benefit of getting outside, the camaraderie and work ethic of being back amongst veterans is just second to none. And um, we're undertaking commercial work. And we've had quite a lot of compliments of how it's brilliant to see the guys interacting. you know, the dark humor, you know, the, the dry humor that we're not supposed to, uh, it's not potentially politically correct in the outside world, in the civilian world, that you can get away with amongst your own. Um, and we've had it likened to being back amongst family. You know, so there's a scientific element and then there's the real world and you can see it in the guys. You know, we've had um, people suffering from depression and gone to the level of trying to commit suicide and then being with us and saying, you know, I really needed this. As well as um, the mental health benefit, we're also providing an employment opportunity. So it's multifaceted.
0: After World War II, the Royal Canadian Legion was created, and it was a pub-based sort of thing, and is so that people could get together and commiserate and talk the same language and be able to relate to each other, and that's pretty much dead now. Um, it's a very important veterans' charity still, uh, very important, probably the biggest one in the country, but the pub aspect of it is dead. Like, none of the young veterans, and I'm 50 years old, and I'm probably still considered a young veteran, um, nobody goes to the pubs very often. And if they do, it doesn't have that same energy of of connection that it's supposed to have in the first place. It's just not there. So to have a much healthier thing than, than uh, a pub uh, is just fantastic getting people together. And you're so right about the transition when you go into c- civilian life and Everybody's speaking a different language. They have a different moral compass, and a different uh, sense of right and wrong, and a different sense of humor. It's the military veterans' humor. Um, we in a civilian room. Everybody goes, "Whoa, that was that was a that was something. That was a little bit much." Jesus, where? Who are you? What planet are you from? And yet, among amongst each other, it's just funny, <laughs> you know. It's a sense of disconnection. Um, talk about the, the, the connection that's been happening there through planting trees and and getting these veterans together. Like what does that meant for them and their, uh, sense of community?
1: Well, it's fascinating. I think you've got to always, um, remember the power of your network And what it's brought back home to us, and and I'm the same as you, um, Mark, 50 years old, and it's that people forget that military network, and it's always there for you. And when we started to bring people back into the fold, the charity was set up 15 years ago, but the Green Task Force as a commercial entity really hit the ground running in November. And since then, we've now got teams setting up in three different areas of the UK. But such has been the traction of what we're doing, the International Trade Secretary has been talking to us about how to support a national rollout strategy. So bringing people back into the fold, what it's identified is if you play rugby and you're in the forces, there's no longer six degrees of separation, it's two. And we're finding that it's opening doors through our networks and there's a trusted network there and one of the, th- the things that we've noticed is the work ethic there's no there's no job description as such where it says you know you will come in and be paid to do x y and z we know because we've been it's been trained and instilled in us that we've got a job to do so we roll our sleeves up when we get the job done and that's what we're finding that the guys are, they're taking to it and nothing's too much you know everybody's pushing in the right direction Within a very short space of time, to be now set, setting up in different locations and starting to get inroads into those areas is phenomenal and that, phenomenal, and that is just fascinating. You know, and the veterans network is there, and that's what's making it happen.
0: Quite often, you hear people transitioning to civilian life, and they, especially if they're something like infantry, like I was, and you will often hear, Well, I know how to shoot. <laughs> you know, uh, this, these are not transferable skills. And what I would encourage people to consider is that it's not the skills uh, that people are worried about when in the in the job market for hiring. Skills can be trained. It's the character. So you hire for character, and you train for skills, and that is something that. That ability to push through, to improvise, adapt, overcome, get the job done, that is something that is just natural within the veteran community because you, we're used to an environment where you get it done or you die or the guy next to you dies. So you get it done. <laughs> there's, 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 there's no excuses. It has to get done. The job always has to get done. It's always mission critical. It's always life and death critical, everything that we do. And that is something that, if properly implemented within the civilian world, it doesn't matter what project you're doing or, or what profession you're engaged in. That it's that attitude of getting it done, figure it out. You don't need supervision. I just need to get it done that has great value within the, um, uh, for, for the rest of the world, and that is completely transferable character instead of the actual hard skills.
1: Oh, for sure. I think what we're finding is that we underestimate the leadership and management skills we, we take away from our time in the forces. You, know, you, you look around at any room, and there's a, if there's a military person in that room, they tend to command respect and can control a body of men. No, no matter what rank they are, because they have that power of command, which has just been trained into us. It's, it becomes natural as, as uh, to be leaders of men. And not everybody in the civilian world has got that ability. And so I'm also a director of a rec- recruitment company. and um, One of the things that we're finding from that is more and more companies are coming to us saying, we want to recruit from the veterans' pool. And Quite simply, is because they know that the work ethic and the person that they get is is going to be trained and disciplined, and they're, they're going to have a sense of loyalty as well because they they're part of a team.
0: Yeah, if you provide the opportunity and provide the loyalty and, and give us a reason to, to to be loyal, we'll do it. You know, and it's that sense of. Um, That sense that you have in the military that you never seem to find when you get out. And we search for it in all kinds of different ways. There's motorcycle clubs that people are attracted to. Um, I was active uh, with the Freemasons for a while, for about six years, for the same reason, you know, uh, an idea that something is sacred, you know, something matters. It's the opposite of nihilism, which uh, the world is devolving more and more into, I think.
1: Uh, For sure. I think for me, um, I left the UK and went out to Asia to work. So I spent six years in Sri Lanka and 12 in Thailand. And I'd sort of forgotten, so I hadn't forgotten my military roots, but I'd disconnected from the veterans community. And coming back into the UK in the last couple of years, I've just realised how powerful it is. And that's just testimony to that is how far we've come in a very short space of time with the Green Task Force.
0: How far and, and, and wide is the Pat Foundation now?
1: Well, we started off um, in Thailand. And it's a, you know, my former boss recruited me to come and help out and, and bail a company out. Um, and he challenged me. You know, it to It's quite interesting because he said, that, you know, the company believes in people, profit, planner. And I'd gone from polluting the atmosphere into the, the forestry sector. And I sat him down and I said, well, first of all, you the know, triple bottom line principles that you're interested in, you're only interested in one, which is profit. Nothing wrong with that, but you need to actually start to care about the planet and what you're doing, and you can do so much more. And he actually at that time said, you won't get anybody to donate money to plant trees online, and that was like a red rag to a bull. So here we are 15 years later with 3 million trees in the ground and still going from strength to strength. But... At the time we were, we were in Thailand and it was difficult to get set up as a foundation so we came back and used the UK as a as the base to get the charity Commission number and give us our kudos then we operated in Asia um, and then now coming back into the UK so we've, we've closed operations down in Asia because primarily back in the UK and now we're expanding into different areas different regions of the UK
0: And what's the plans for expansion? Where do you want to get to next?
1: In terms of where we are, the charity is the overarching body. The Green Task Force has already established a new company in Wales, and we're talking about setting up in Scotland now and acting as a training provider for resettlement for people coming out of the forces via the Career Transition Partnership. And that's because there's such a skills gap and need In the land-based sector. So we can retrain our veterans for a career outside and they've got their enhanced learning credits. So they've got a budget to allow them to retrain. And that's where we're hoping that we can funnel people through into employment with our organisation or put them on the right path to somewhere else
0: there are so many different PTSD retreats out there and the veteran community is really fractured when it comes to different veteran resources. Um, Have you been reaching out to any of these different retreats say, hey, anybody want to volunteer to plant some trees and uh, networking via all these different veterans retreats?
1: Um, Yes, and I go back to my earlier comments about the power of the network. First first and foremost, um, we're paying people. So it's employment. And awesome. in the current climate, with the amount of redundancies and the COVID 19 situation, it's a great opportunity. So, with that, we've worked with numerous organizations, uh, Walking With the Wounded, Project Nova, Care After Combat, uh, all talking to us about people that are either inside um, prisons or they've gone through a homeless phase as well as the Career Transition Partnership, people who are in the forces and just coming out. So we're we're very well networked, and I think that's the the power of the community we live in, that everybody's trying to help each other and more so trying to help the veterans.
0: Are you looking at at expanding into Canada?
1: (laughs) Interestingly enough, I had a... A message this morning from um, Colonel Bob Ball of the, the United States Marine Corps, who played rugby with me in Thailand. So we're just chatting about what's going on over here. And he said the scale of the problem in North America is huge. Um, hadn't thought about expansion, but but who knows? Let's see where it goes. I think there's, there's a.
0: Oh, darn it. Well, it looks like we've got you frozen. I'm going to hope that you uh, come back Nicole. to us. Oh, there you are. You you froze on me for a second. You're back. Yay. <laughs> I was worried. like, okay, now I have to ad lib. I don't know, sing a song. What am I going to do?
1: I don't know. I'm going okay, to so, sing it. So, so there was a colonel
0: in the States, and, and then what happened? Yes. <laughs>
1: Colonel Bob Ball's retired now, but Colonel, uh, Bob ran Cobra Gold in Thailand when I was out there, played a lot of rugby with him. So I was chatting to him about what we were doing over here, and he just explained this, the, the magnitude of the problem in North America. So um, I wouldn't have a rule out as expanding or doing something overseas. I think we you know we've got to get traction and solidify our offering in the uk but what we're doing the model can be replicated you know Um, we've got guys who are now operating in africa who want to take that forward as well and see opportunity in different countries so if we can help and if we can get things moving then yes open to discussion about it
0: are you most interested in places that have suffered from deforestation the most
1: Interestingly enough, um, from a Pat Foundation perspective, yes, that would be one angle. But then when I start to look at the Green Task Force, we have a lot of problems, certainly in the area of the UK, we live with flooding. So we're now being asked because of the engineers that are involved with our team, uh, can we look at flood defences and putting small dams in, leaky dams, and it, it's great work. It's the you know the work that the guys can do outdoors, Um in terms of areas of deforestation, you know, we, we'll plant trees wherever we can. It's where the, the money's available from the various authorities. But had a discussion with people in Yorkshire recently, and they were saying, well, you know, we need to airlift equipment up to the top of the hills, but we waste probably three hours each day with guys marching up and down. So, well, don't worry, give the army guys a bivvy bag and just leave them up there for a week to finish the job, and it's going to be more efficient. And, you know, that lateral thinking, they hadn't thought about it
0: it just yeah, so, didn't, didn't occur to them <laughs>
1: yeah. so you know for, for us um tree planting is one aspect but we also have trained arborists in the team so we're working on tree surgery and looking at other different options as well
0: what about airdrop trees i've seen though those is kind of interesting just drop them out, just drop them out and they come down like a lawn dart and uh they hit the ground hard enough to to plant themselves
1: Interestingly enough, we've got a couple of guys looking at that at the moment to see how we can use drones to plant trees in remote parts of Wales where you probably don't want to hike up to the top of Mount Snowdon.
0: I think I have a new career goal. I want to be the door gunner, (laughs) just tossing out trees out of the side of a helicopter. I think that'd be perfect.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, the issue we've got with that one, though, is we don't know what the survival rate is. Yeah. So when we're planting trees from cell and stock in, in root trainers, we get a 5% mortality um, rate. Whereas when we're planting them with drones and in comms, don't get me wrong, you can cover la- vast amounts of land, which would be great in Canada and the States. Uh, the UK is a bit smaller. You know, we can usually walk up to the top of the hill.
0: We were in uh, Ireland last year or the year before. Year before, and um, <laughs> one of my favorite things when I'm talking with the locals is, uh, do you realize that all of Ireland, the entire island, will fit inside just the province of Alberta seven and a half times? Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> the looks on the faces are pre- was pretty good. We got a darn big country over here. That's, no. But even with, um, I mean, we are. A carbon neutral country even though our government won't admit that but that's another thing Uh, we got a whole lot of trees here but um we could always use more you know uh we could always use more up down the middle of the middle of the highways we've got all kinds of prairie that could use more trees we got lots of room for them
1: yeah i think um i worked in the forestry sector commercially for quite a while and uh, i was over in portland a few years ago speaking at a conference says who owns the world for, world's forests and what was interesting there's a lot of trees planted in america but it's predominantly for the housing market and you can see the boom element when the housing market increases the demand for trees increases and the price of timber goes up but i think what we're seeing now is don't get me wrong there's the cyclic cyclical effects of planting trees and carbon reduction but i think there's there's benefits now of creating those woodland parks and forest reserves so people can make use of them and it's not just a commercial angle. And that's one thing that I'm hoping that maybe in, in North, America can, North America we can see more of.
0: And how can people get a hold of you? What are the different uh, websites where people can tune in and, and learn more about you?
1: Um, we, we've got the Pat Foundation.org and greentaskforce.co.uk are our two. Uh, web platforms but the same thing Uh, we're quite active on social media and that seems to be the the new the new medium where everybody connects now um we've also just started launching our own green tv where we've been bringing veterans and people who work in the sector land-based sector online to to discuss a variety of different things a bit like what you're doing yourself mark um Main aim has been connecting veterans and trying to show them the opportunities that we've got in the UK, but it's also bringing chefs on as well to show us how they used to cook on board to how they cook at home now and uh, preparing Sunday dinners and uh, and what we call cheesy hammy eggy. I don't know if you've ever had that, or baby's heads. You know, especially <laughs> Navy dishes that um, people remember from their time in the forces.
0: Well, I'm going to be publishing this, Uh, it'll be the second uh, Thursday of March is when this is going to be scheduled for the regular podcast platforms. I'll have all of your information in the show notes uh, to share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring. And uh, please do, uh, for everybody that's uh, listening in, please help spread the word by sharing this episode on every Facebook page that you can find and yourself as well, sir. Um, Every page that you think is relevant, please share. And uh, these Facebook Lives tend to get some significant uh, eyeballs on them. So outstanding. But thank you so much for uh, making the time today to be on Operation Tango Romeo.
1: No problem, Mark. Appreciate it, and I hope you have a great day.
0: All right, brother. Thanks so much. You are listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. To find out more, go to OperationTraumaRecovery.org. That's OperationTraumaRecovery.org.